Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Dave Patricia, the sports doctor, my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, and two pumpkin growers, Charlie Bernstrom and Milan Lukes, all on the way here on the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, the podcast. Bombers, winners, 40-32 on Friday. And after the game, on the post-game show, Bob Irving talked to quarterback Matt Nichols about the big win. I just tweeted, uh, Matt, wow, game of the year in the CFL. You agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, that was an exciting one. It was a roller coaster ride for sure. And, you know, we preached stay off the roller coaster around here. And, and you know, luckily we were able to to hold it together and not to let that one slip away. Yeah, you say roller coaster ride. The emotions that swayed back and forth in the last few minutes of that game must have been wild. I mean, it is. I mean, you can feel it. Um, but at the same time, at least for me personally, I feel like been there, done that, seen it happen. Um, you know, for us as an offense on the sidelines was, uh, you know, let's go score, and that was that was our mindset. And, and you know, so it wasn't like some big bomb had just been dropped on us and uh, we didn't know how to respond to it. I mean, we have enough veteran guys that have been through everything that can be thrown at you and and, we went out there, fired up and and, uh, drove down, got the touchdown, two-point conversion in the first overtime and um, defense did an unbelievable job going and getting that that ball out in the last one. After the big uh, win the other night, I'll be honest with you, over uh, Ottawa, the Red Blacks, we beat the Red Blacks. I I was listening at the end. And when the Red Blacks were driving, I had to turn the radio off. I honestly did because I thought, oh, this is not going to go. It just it just felt like we were going to lose that game. Dave Patrician, the sports doctor, joins us on the phone. Did it not feel that way for you, Dave? 100% help. Oh. It was like from about when we had that 15-point lead and we saw that completely evaporate. Yep. And going into overtime, I was exactly the same boat. The momentum was clearly on the Ottawa Red Black side. Yep. And uh, until we came up with that big fumble recovery, um, it was it, it, you just knew you just knew. And I and I and I have to think that uh, you know we, we were so we played so great up until that final like five minutes of the game. It mm-hmm. was just so. But hey, we won. We won. That's all that matters. We won. Here's the difference. You know, we lost that stretch of games, and now it, it seems like now. Lady Luck is on our side, right? Like if something, if that coin's going to drop one way or the other, it seems like it's dropping our way right now. Well, you remember when the, we were in the midst of that losing streak, and you go back to the Banjo Bowl where that game seemed to be in hand, and we yeah. lost that. We, and then all of a sudden, the moment, well, as soon as the momentum switches, you know, we beat, uh, we beat Montreal home, and then we, we go into Edmonton, and we just stomp on all over them. And then we did have that lady luck on our side at yeah. the ending moments of the Ottawa game. You're right. And, and we want this to carry over to Saturday, yeah. that's for sure, when we have the re, rematch with the, the third, third of the series of those no-good Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got a couple games going right now in the CFL. At the half, this is the last score I have. At the half, the Owls are leading the Stamps 6-0. And then, of course, a big game. We are watching this one really closely, Edmonton and the Riders. 
Hope for uh, a tie. Hope for a tie in that one. Okay, so is that what we want? We want a tie in that one? You know, right, right now we're trailing um, Saskatchewan by uh, two points. Right. Uh, Edmonton, if they win, they'll, they'll move into a tie with us. Right. They've got 14 points right now. Yeah. We don't want Saskatchewan. I mean, so the perfect scenario would be a tie. I guess, I mean, yeah. The ties are so unlikely in, in the Canadian Football League, although, you know, we have seen a few over the few last few years. But, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it's just it's just so tight right now. Um, and, yeah, you saw the Alouettes kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're looking good against the Calgary Stampeders. But mm. the one thing about the Calgary Stampeders, how they're a second-half team. They yeah. just come out and they'll just come out flying and stuff. But, uh, you know, we have the tough game uh, coming up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And then, uh, you know, how we end our season against the um, – against the Calgary Stampeders too. So we've got to be in tip top form. You know, we have uh, you know, three games remaining in our schedule yeah. and it's just it's, it's just it's a, we have to win them all out. You have to see some, you know, some defeat by from Saskatchewan. They've got a tough schedule. Every every game seems to mean something in the CFL right now. Yeah. Well, they're all tough. All our games left are tough. Uh, Saskatchewan, Calgary, and then in Edmonton, I have a feeling it might come all it might all come down to that one game at the end of the year, but we'll see. Absolutely, and you know, you know what's the great thing about October is, you know, you got the Jets starting, you got Major League Baseball, you got the playoffs going on, and of course the CFL coming down to the wire. But it's also dinner season. There's like great all kinds of football dinners and stuff coming out. You've got the Never Alone Foundation coming up on the 23rd. Yep. You got the celebration of Blue and Gold going on at Earls on that same night. They're celebrating the 1988 and the 1958 uh, Grey Cup team. And also at the Never Alone Foundation, Robert Young's got a new book about the Dieter Brock yeah. Birmingham Rifle. This is just such a great time of year to be a sports fan. I knew you'd get all that in there. I saw on Twitter people asking you to plug some of the dinners and stuff that are going on, and I knew you would. But it's all important stuff, and you're right. It is a great time of the year uh, if you're a sports fan. Let's switch gears and talk Jets. Uh, They've won one big time, and they've lost one big time. And then, of course, uh, the Jets host L.A. on Wednesday. How are you feeling about the Jets? You know, it's, uh, it's just, it just seemed that something that was, something was uh, you talk about Lady Luck. The Lady Luck was definitely on uh, Dallas' side on a Saturday night. The Jets didn't play, a, I would say, a horrible game. They got into a little bit of a penalty trouble. Um, I think, you know, the way Paul Maurice coaches, and things, I think on uh, tomorrow night when we open up at home, there's going to be so much fun. There's going to be, you know, banner-raising player introductions. It's going to be great. And that really will motivate the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets before they go back on the road. they got some tough games coming up, too. You know, Nashville again, and it's, it just doesn't get any easier. And, you know, you got to take, you know, we're, we're two games down, 80 games to go, and, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets, they ain't going to win. They're not going to win every single game, fans. And I know that everybody was jumping off the bandwagon on Saturday yeah. with one defeat, but, uh, you know, we're going to, as long as you play hard and you're in it, and you saw the respect that Dallas has for the Winnipeg Jets, and that's felt right across the National Hockey League. Yeah. Are you following the baseball playoffs at all, Dave? I'm not a baseball guy at all. You know what? I, I, I tend to follow the World Series, but, I mean, I really, I really enjoy uh, October baseball, that's for sure. And uh, there's, there's just been some tremendous matchups right now. And, of course, I, I really look forward. I mean, I mean, they used to say the October Classic, but we've seen the World Series stretch into November now. But uh, it's, a, it's a definitely a, it's a, it's a must-win. It's just like NBA playoffs. I don't follow the NBA all, but I watch the final, the final, the mm. final, uh, you know, seven game series. That's for sure. Yeah, and then I also, over the last couple of years, have kind of got out of following the NFL. But my brother in law was over yesterday, and he's a big Eagles guy, so I watched the Eagles and the Vikings. What do we need to know about the NFL early on here? 
you know what? Uh, you watch that. They watch that game. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, so I, know. I hope I hope that you are twisting it to them too, because uh, the Eagles didn't uh, didn't really put on the greatest performance except right until the end. But uh, you know, yeah, you you, you read some, some 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 surprises. Uh, not I shouldn't say surprises. When you look at the L.A. Rams, they've been building to building something since they've gone into gone back into uh, Los Angeles. Uh, very very uh, very early on the season, you kind of look at the Green Bay Packers and really say what's going on. They they got blown out. Um, by by Detroit yesterday, and uh, you know the New England Patriots continue to roll, and you saw them kind of smarten back up uh, last week on Monday night, and they're gonna they're and they're gonna they're they're gonna continue the success. Sorry, Thursday night they're gonna continue success. And uh, I gotta ask you, are we gonna be uh, on Twitter? You're at the Sports Doctor on Twitter at the Sports Doctor. Are we going to be seeing a review later on today of A Star Is Born? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? And, and, and I'm the same boat as you. I heard you talking about that last week, especially yeah. on Friday, about being a Bradley Cooper fan, because everything that Bradley Cooper has ever done has been tremendous. You know, you yeah. go back and, and I know you're talking, to, uh, I think you're talking to Fiona about it, talking about the wedding crashers, right? Mm. You know, that was probably where we really got introduced to him a lot, but all the hangover movies and all the great things that he's done. This is a legitimately the star of our generation. People talk about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, but yeah. Bradley Cooper seems to be a man of the people, and he seems to be the guy that. Uh, you know, before you know, the '70s had the Robert Redfords and things like that. But this guy, I like. I like this guy's acting. And uh, Lady Gaga, she's a tremendous talent too. Yeah. I know that people. She's like a polarizing figure. But uh, from all the reviews I've heard, and you gave the Rotten Tomato scores on Friday, that is uh, just a. It's just a. It's going to be a tremendous movie. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going down to the VIP theaters. I'll be like a big shot. Order from my chair. There you go. Uh, it's. I think it's 90 percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's the thing about uh, Bradley Cooper. He has been great to watch, but I've never really taken him seriously, you know, as I do the air quotes. But, right. man, it's hard not to take him seriously after seeing the acting in this movie. He directed it. The guy learned to sing for the movie, and he's a great singer. He wrote the screenplay, I mean, and the movie is and the movie is really good. Yeah, yeah, wrote songs and the whole thing. You know, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I love it. I, love, I, I didn't, I've really never paid attention to the '30s version of it and the Judy Garland version. Yeah, everybody seems to know because my generation, your generation, the Chris Christopherson, Barbara Streisand version stands out of the, as a movie of the '70s, and and uh, everyone takes its own unique take. And the, the Winnipeg Free Press had a story on that over the weekend too. But uh, the consensus is that people really enjoy this one, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And here he is, my uh, weather expert buddy, my pal, uh, Bruce Johnson. Bruce, I am uh, very thankful to have you, sir. Oh, thank you, and I'm thankful to be able to do it and and have you, so it works. Yeah, I've told this story before, but when I was getting married, Jackie and I got married up at the lake in, in Sandy Hook. And uh, Bruce, uh, you know, he does this, comes on the air and talks about the weather. But Bruce was the go-to guy, man, getting ready for that wedding. We were just, we'd, we'd talk to Bruce two or three times a day. How's, how's it looking? And you were dead on. He said, you know what, Hal, you're going to get it all in your fireworks, and then it's going to start to rain. And we got the fireworks in. Honestly, the last one shot off, and then it started to rain, and it was it was perfect. So uh, ever since then, before that even, I always knew Bruce was really good at what he did. Uh, but since then, uh, your gospel now, as far as I'm concerned. And there's a few things happening today. Thanksgiving. By the way, big pumpkin uh, from down there in Lancaster, Minnesota again this year. 
Yeah, that would, that would take up my entire backyard if it were here. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Bernstrom down there in Lancaster won the Rolling Pumpkin Fair with a pumpkin 1,753 and a half pounds. That is huge. And I was thinking maybe on the 20th, when they uh, drop that pumpkin on a couple of cars down there in Lancaster, maybe we'll get you to do a live broadcast. Yeah, might do it. If uh, it depends if we're in uh, combines or not, but we'll see because the twentieth is, you know, it's um, twelve days from now. So right. That um, you'll still be Saturday, harvesting. So. How how is the harvest yeah. going, by the way? Because we're hearing up here anyhow that uh, soybeans and sunflowers look okay, but the weather is affecting the other crops. Well, our problem right now is the sugar beets. We're not able, not able to get in the fields right now because it's this gumbo mud. It's, it's literally like glue. Mm. I have The other day when I got out of the field, I had three inches of mud stuck to each shoe. I could hardly walk. I was walking like Herman Munster. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, not just our weather. We'll get back to our weather in a bit. And I want to talk about climate change. But let's talk about a Hurricane Michael, first of all. It just became a hurricane today. It is lashing Cuba right now with heavy rain rain and strong winds, and then um, it'll go through the uh, very warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico and could strengthen into a major hurricane, they're saying, with winds topping 178 kilometers an hour by tomorrow night. And then uh, apparently Florida's Big Ben could see more than three meters of storm surge, which would be incredible. Right. I mean, I'm looking right at it, and yes, it's headed, at this point, it's headed for the Florida Panhandle, and it's going to be a nasty system. And, of course, it's going through the water, and it's just about the warmest time of year for the water, and we're still well definitely in the hurricane season, so it's a a bad time of year for one to be there. Let me just play a bit of audio uh, from this Hurricane Michael. Take a listen. Can you turn the channel up, please, Will? Turn the uh, computer channel up. Thank you. 7 to 11 feet of storm surge is deadly. The water could be over roofs of houses. I cannot stress enough how dangerous the storm surge can be. We're expecting 2 to 4 inches of rain, and some areas might see 5 inches of rain. Tropical Storm Michael will bring dangerous storm surge to many areas, even those outside the path. So that's crazy, uh, Bruce, when you start talking about a storm surge like that. Oh, I know it's terrible. And the thing is, over over the last, well, 100, 200 years, people have built up more and more and more along the beach. So they're more at risk now because their houses are closer to the water. Right. Yeah. Um, Climate change. I want to play this and let's chat about climate change for a minute. This is new research that we're just hearing about today. A group of top scientists and researchers say we have a dozen years to slow down the warming or we'll face even more life-threatening heat waves, water shortages and flooding, as well as further destruction of coral reefs and entire species of animals. Ho Sang Lee headed up that group. Climate change is already affecting people, ecosystems and livelihoods all around the world. The scientists say we've been warned about all this before and we haven't done much about it. So they aren't holding out hope that we'll actually work to fix it now either. Sherry Preston, ABC News. Now, Bruce, I don't want to be a climate change denier, but you and I have talked about this in the past, you know, but um, the more research that comes out, and you can look at sort of, you know, when machines started to take over and how much the temperature has increased over that period of time. And it's getting harder and harder to say that um, there obviously is climate change. How it might impact us, I guess, you know, the jury's out. We'll have to wait and see. Is that where you come down on this, too, or how do you feel about right. it? And, yeah, and, and how much is from human activity? We don't, we'll never know for yeah. sure. 
And if we hadn't done any, of course, if we were like 200 years ago, you and I wouldn't be talking because radio wouldn't exist. Would the climate be similar to what it is now? I'd I can't answer that, and I don't know if there are really any models that can answer that very specifically. Um, you know how much is human caused, and what the effects are or will be um, versus if if we had not evolved at all as mm-hmm. far as say the last two hundred years. Uh, you know, uh, all the you know, the technology and you know cars and trains and planes and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, if that none of that had ever happened. Would we be the same? Who's to say? Yeah, as we are now. Right. Yeah. I. I. That. Exactly. I don't think you can. I mean, obviously, the climate is changing. It does seem as though it is going up. But as you point out, how much of it is from us, or would it have happened on its own to some degree? And I guess that's maybe. Uh, you know, certainly a lot of scientists are trying to prove it to be. Uh, but I'm. 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 I don't, again, I don't want to be a denier. I don't want to be that. Dummy who doesn't take science seriously, but I I agree with you in that you know how are we to know uh, what it would have been without humans and and all that we do on the planet? Right. It's it's I just don't think there's a way of telling that yeah. for sure. And I'm you know sometimes they they've done these studies and they found out well it really wasn't that way because the modeling was wrong. Mm. So it's going to be one of these things where we're going to find out eventually, yeah. but they'll just have to try to make it where there's a less of a carbon footprint over time. And as technology evolves, I think that will happen because we will be able to use um, different energy sources once they become viable. Mm. At this point, it would, it would you know, ruin the world economy. If you, you know, completely got off oil, we couldn't survive. We couldn't, uh, you know, economies would collapse. Eventually that will happen. We'll wean off it, but we'll have to have other energy sources that are viable, uh, before we can do that. And then that will happen eventually, I'm sure, just a matter of time. Well, and then I saw a story the other day saying that these uh, wind farms, you know, all these uh, propellers and stuff, they have an impact on the environment as well. So, you know, even these replacements to oil and stuff like that have issues or or appear to have issues. So, yeah, we're just, uh, I guess we're going to have to wait and see how it all how it all turns out. Hey, talk about our weather for a minute because we're certainly not seeing a lot of warming around here. Are we going to get any kind of a fall at all or are we going to go right into winter from this now? Well, the way it looks right now, because I looked at it, the mo- most recent model run a little while ago, um, it uh, it looks like it's going to be well. Of course, Wednesday doesn't look good. That looks like snow, and then it settles down and gets a, a little bit drier. In fact, quite a bit drier after that. Maybe a blip here and there, and temperatures look like they might come up a, f- a few days, somewhere around the 17th. It might actually get above 10, which would be uh, people would walk around in their shorts and, and all that. But it um, looks the following week like we might have a few relatively mild days, um, and then it may drop off again. So it, um, we might get a few days of fall rather than this almost winter, and you know may, may get a little bit of rain. Hopefully we'll get a break in the, the precip, and, and that's looking like that will happen. It will be fairly dry and at least near average as far as temperatures. But boy, I'll tell you, nothing like what we normally get, right? Because a normal fall would be September and much of October, sometimes all the way to Halloween. Oh yeah, we could. Well, last year we had it was really. I remember it was really windy, and we were out combining, and I 
had to make sure I got out of the combine. I had to park the combine a certain way because I would get knocked over by the wind. And it was warm outside at this time of year. And you know, it, was, it was above average then. Now it's below average. So, you know, of course, it, they put the years together. It would probably be about average if you, you know, put last year and this year together. And it's just one of those things. Sometimes you have really warm weather in early October, and sometimes you don't. And this year we definitely didn't. And we're, I don't see any really warm weather until about probably next year. But, um, you know, the still records are still fairly, you know, you can get some fairly warm days even now, but uh, I don't see anything like that. 27.4 uh, in 2003. Um, that's the record, you know, a recent record, um, and we're certainly that one's safe. But it's um, you know, it's just one of those cold patterns. But I think it may back off a little bit, say ten days from now. Hope so. Hey, Bruce, thanks a lot yeah, for doing this. Uh, thanks a lot for doing this, pal. And uh, I guess I better say Happy Columbus Day. Okay. Well, thanks. And yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, happy Thanksgiving to you, and uh, hopefully we happy beet harvest once uh, once things freeze up and we can get back in the fields. Yeah. Good luck with the rest of harvest. Okay. Well, thank All right, you. Pal. Talk to you later. It's the great pumpkin. He's rising up out of the pumpkin patch. Oh, it's a great pumpkin, all right. They had the Roland Pumpkin Fair on the weekend on Saturday. And the winner joins us on the phone now from Lancaster, Minnesota, Charlie Bernstrom. Good afternoon, Charlie. How are you? Excellent. Congratulations on winning the Roland Fair. Thank you. Yeah, the pumpkin ended up being pretty big. How big? It was 1,753 and a half pounds. Wow. Now, is that the biggest you've ever grown? Yep. Um, last year, my biggest was um, 1,498 and a half pounds that I brought to Roland. So, yeah, quite a bit bigger than last year. And I got to ask you, how do you do it? What's the secret? Well, this year I grew um, three plants, so three pumpkins, and I used 35,000 gallons of water for the three because it was so dry. So that's <laughs> a water and fertilizer each day. <laughs> wow. And how many hours a day do you spend on it? Um, I suppose like an hour and a half to two hours each day, spread out, I guess. Try to get up early in the morning because I have a family and my wife, my wife doesn't appreciate it if I'm down there every night. <laughs> yeah, that's a big commitment. Yeah, it's, that's why when you get one to the scale and it turns out good, it, I guess it makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Now, did you win the Roland Fair again last year? Because I remember talking to you about you dropping one of these big pumpkins from a crane. Yeah, yep, I won it last year and we dropped it on a, um, the duty, the old duty-free van and then um, on a 12,000-gallon uh, swimming pool. And this year we're going to do the same thing on October 20th. We're going to drop one on uh, um, two cars stacked on top of each other, and then I'm not sure what another one's going to be dropped on. we have to figure that out yet, I guess. Down there at your business in Lancaster. Yep, at the um, football field in Lancaster here at 1 o'clock on the 20th. Excellent. Well, congratulations, Charlie, and thanks for talking to me about it. Thank you very much. Charlie Bernstrom in Lancaster, Minnesota. Can you imagine? 1,753 and a half pounds.
Will Reimer, that is a lot of pumpkin pies, my friend. I was, oh man, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was yeah. hoping that was where this was going to go. He was going to make the world's biggest pumpkin pie next. No, but I like his idea. He does the, he's going like uh, Letterman old school, right? Yeah. He's dropping them from way up in the air. This time he's going to drop one on two cars stacked on top of each also other. Also a good use for that. They do it kind of as a, a charity fundraiser down there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what he does. But 1,753 and a half pounds, the biggest pumpkin at the Roland Fair. I should also give credit to Connie Banman. She took second place. There were, you know, different categories and stuff, sure. but this is the, the main one. And then Milan Lukes took third place. That is Janice Lukes' kid. Oh, no kidding. Counselor Janice Lukes, and I uh, texted her today to see if I could get uh, her kid on, and I didn't hear back from her. And, hey, it's holiday, right, sure. uh, which is uh, completely fine. He says, uh, Milan Luke says, he spends two to three hours a day on his, and he got third place. Interesting. Yeah, like, you know, protecting it from all the animals, raccoons, and because apparently deer love pumpkin. So you got to protect them. And then the secret, I'm told, uh, Henry Banman last week told me the secret is keeping it hot. Like, you got to keep it hot and protected. And that's how you grow uh, the big ones. But so it's a real hobby. It's something it, you really oh, got to these dedicate are, the yes, time to. Yeah. These people are serious about it. Okay. So because we're working here on Thanksgiving, I dug back into the archives and I found a few nuggets that I want to share with you today. And the first one, speaking of pumpkin pie, is Fiona Odlum, right, uh, who is on every Friday on this show, Friday Fun Day with Fiona, and her mom from up there in Fraserwood, Manitoba. And several years back, I I used to do these uh, holiday specials on CJOB. And we used to do one uh, uh, on Thanksgiving. It was around Hal's Kitchen, right? Hal's Kitchen and then the Thanksgiving special. And I had Fiona and her mom on talking about Fiona's mom's famous pumpkin pie. So take a listen to this. A couple of minutes from several years ago, Fiona and her mom here on CJOB. Now, this is a different style pumpkin pie. It's not that regular kind of muck that mm. you get at the store. It's fluffy. And what's the secret, yeah. Mom? The difference is this is a chiffon pumpkin pie. And mm. instead of just throwing in the eggs, you beat up the egg whites separately as though you're making a meringue. And so this lightens the whole thing and um, puffs it up and I think you're able to eat more of it, Hal. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. key. <laughs> Get more in than there. And if you were going for the squidgy one. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. Wow, is that fantastic. Uh, now, you're Welsh. Is this a Welsh recipe? Or? Oh, no. It's an old, old recipe that I picked up in 1976 in the now defunct gourmet magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I know why it's defunct, because it says the price here on the magazine, 75 cents. <laughs> That's how much this magazine was <laughs> in 1976. Ha- yes. Hand me the magazine. Okay, I want to see this. Check let this me, out. Let me see this magazine here. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, 75 cents, November 1976, gourmet the magazine of good living. Huh. And you've made it all these years. Well, we keep it in the safe deposit box. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for real. Come, really? For yeah, real? for real. Well, sure. It only comes out once a year, so yep. otherwise it could be trashed. 
Yeah. Now, the, wow. now there's a secret also too that my mom does with this. She does that. She makes her own whipped cream, little dollops on the top. But she, for you, because we're on the air, she made it the the virgin style, no booze. She usually puts booze in the whipped cream, <laughs> which is good. You could have doubled the booze, as far as I'm concerned. Hell, not at midday. Hell, not midday. Now, mom, there's a trick though, because you also make your own candied pecans on top, yes, right? But I also grew the pumpkin. Yeah. You grew the pumpkin. Yeah. yeah she sure. she did everything. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because if you grow the sweet pumpkins, the small ones, then, um, you know, you, they're much more fresh tasting than the canned stuff. However, you know, if you're in a rush, buy the can. Fiona Adlam and her mom from one of my old Thanksgiving specials here on CJOB. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.